Welcome to Abide in Truth with Pastor Mike Hughes, a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel in Amid, Idaho. Join us as Pastor Mike leads us verse by verse through the Bible and shares with us the impacting truth of God's Word. Be sure to stay tuned until the close of our program to hear about some exciting news and special offers. We'll also tell you how you can obtain a full-length copy of this entire message. And don't forget, you can always catch up on Mike's teaching on our website at ccmit.org. We're currently going through the book of Luke in a series titled, The Uncommon Gospel. So grab your Bible, turn up the volume, and follow along with us. Here's Pastor Mike. Luke chapter 9, verse 46, and a message titled, Power Struggle. Verse 46 says, Then a dispute arose amongst them to which of them would be the greatest. Yeah, they didn't hear a thing that Jesus had just said, did they? Not at all. <laughs> I, I think sometimes that's how I am. Well, this is where I'm going, and you didn't hear a thing I just said, did you? Uh, you have kids like that? Yeah. Yeah, you hear a thing you just said. You have a husband like that? Maybe your wife's like that. And then you hear a thing you just said, you know? And I'm sure that they were pretty confident that they were headed for greatness. I mean, why why else would Jesus pick them out of the multitude? I mean, there's 12 of them, and there was a whole multitude, and he picked those 12. So they must be pretty important. And that's how they probably viewed themselves to a degree. And of course, as, there, as, as there's 12 of them, you can't have everybody. Not everybody's going to be the vice president, Right. Not everybody's going to be a secretary of state. Not everybody's going to be an important cabinet member. Well, they'll all be important cabinet members, but some of them are going to be housing and nobody wants that job. And so who's going to be vice president? And so the question came up, who's going to be the greatest out of the, the amongst us? Jesus, of course, is the greatest, but who's going to be number two? And where is the cream going to rise to the top and who's the cream? Well, I'm sure that James, Peter, and John already kind of figured, well, we're in that number because we got to go up on the mountain with him. We got to see things nobody else got to see. And he says, don't let anybody else know. So we have intelligence, right? We have, we have security clearance that nobody else has. So it's obviously us, right? And, and they kind of make a play, you know, I mean, it's interesting because as James and John would would probably be pretty humble about all all the things that they would say. They they wouldn't directly tell Jesus, "Hey, we want to be number one and number two, but they would get their mom to come and ask. Remember that their mom came, she bowed down before Jesus, and she said, "When you enter your kingdom, will you?" I think she first thing she said was, "Will you say yes to anything I ask you?" <laughs> your kids do that to you, and Jesus, when you enter your kingdom, will my sons, my James. James and Jimmy and, and Johnny, will they can they sit on your right hand and your left hand? And Jesus just kind of ignores mom and he looks right at those guys and he says, Are you willing to drink the cup with which I'm willing to drink? He says, You don't know what you're asking. How did Jesus enter into his kingdom? What route did he take? The cross. What would be his right hand and his left hand? The place where the thieves were, right? And that's what they were asking for. They had no idea what they were asking for. And he says, we're, they said, we're willing to drink from that cup. And he says, oh, you will. And they did. But not, not right away. He says, it's not for me to say who's going to be on my right hand and my left hand. And so it ended up being two thieves, one rejecting him, one accepting him. And then Peter later would boast of, if all of these forsake you, I will never forsake you. I will die for you. 
Now, I'm not saying that Peter was boasting out of nowhere because when Jesus was arrested, it was Peter who withdrew the sword. Peter who put himself in danger in front of a, a group of soldiers and cut off a servant's ear, right? And, and, and he thought, you know, hey, we're going. We're going to go for the battle. And he was heading into battle. And, and Jesus stopped Peter. He says, Peter, you know what spirit you're of. And he takes the poor guy's ear and he slaps it back on like Mr. Potato Head. And he's good. And Peter's confused. And so where does he go from there? He follows at a distance, finds himself in in the high court in the priest high priest courtyard, and remember what Jesus had said to him when he said, "I will never forsake you." He says, "Peter, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat, but when you return, strengthen your brother before the rooster crows. You're going to deny me three times, Peter." And sure enough, Peter did. But as we look at these guys and this conversation they're having, I mean, this is. And this is something that they wanted to do was establish the pecking order because that's the way that life works, right? Somebody has to be in charge. This is the golden rule. Whoever has the gold rules or might makes right or, or whatever it is that the world sees when, when we look at the, the people who rule things. It's such a contrast to the way, the way that Jesus lived and the way that, what Jesus is saying to them. He's been talking to them about dying on the cross. They dismiss that. He's been talking to them about he who wants to find his life must lose it. And he's been talking about humility and all these things. And, and so far, they don't understand any of this. But what does the New Testament teach us? Philippians chapter 2, it says this in, in verse 3. It says, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Is that what they're teaching in schools today? No, they teach all about self-esteem. And is he saying, no, I want you to teach, I want you to esteem everybody as better than yourself. Let each of you look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus who being in the form of God did not consider robbery to be equal with God. So Jesus was God. I mean, he was sitting in, on the throne with God. He was God in flesh who came to this earth. And he didn't consider it robbery. It didn't see, like, it didn't, wasn't something that he was trying to attain to. He was already there is what it's telling us. But, verse 7, made himself of no reputation, taking on the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And he's saying, so Jesus, this is the attitude, this is the mindset that we're supposed to have. Jesus, who was God, enthroned with the glory that he had before the world was with the Father, and he left all of that and humbled himself and emptied himself of all of his power so that he could be born in a barn, so that he could be raised by peasant parents, so that he could be persecuted at a very young age and have to flee instantly from Bethlehem down into Egypt as a refugee and hide out there for several years until Herod died and they could go home and he could live his life in Nazareth or Netzir is where it's called. It's, it's, you know, this is interesting, something people wonder about, you know, you know, he shall be called a Nazarene, a bad translation. It, it's, he shall be called a Netzarene a branch man or a branch town. He lived in branch town. 
and branched down, Nazareth was nothing. It literally was a, a, a pit hole in the middle of nowhere. It wasn't even on the main road. It wasn't on the freeway. It wasn't near the lake. It was five miles from the Sea of Galilee, which is a long way in, in when you're on, on donkey or on foot. And the only thing that really it had going for it, other than a lot of alcohol and, and abuse, was that it was close to another town that was being built by the Roman Empire. And, and that's probably where Joseph and Jesus worked as carpenters. They just lived in a, in a place where th- there wasn't really a lot of industry. And so they lived there probably because it was convenient to do the carpentry work in the town and the stone mason work and all the things that they were doing in the town nearby. And so Jesus is living this life of obscurity in a place that's not considered to be important. He made himself of no reputation, came in the likeness of a bondservant, a servant, and in coming in the likeness of men. And notice this, verse 8, and being found in the appearance as a man. <laughs> that's amazing. Think about who Jesus was. He was God. And being found in the appearance as a man. He humbled himself as if he couldn't humble himself anymore. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. And this is, this is mind-blowing to think about Jesus you know, coming to do that. What's even more mind-blowing and troubling to me is that he says, let this mind be in you. That you would humble yourself to the point that you would even be willing to lay down your life for Jesus to follow in his footsteps, even to a cross. In fact, that's what he told them earlier. He says, if you want to be my disciples, you need to pick up your cross and follow me. And that was not an easy thing to think about. That wasn't something that was just like a, okay, yeah, I love crosses. They're wonderful. No, it was a, it was an instrument of torture. And he says, this is what I want you to do. I want you to lay down your life. And as you look through history, if you read Fox's Book of Martyrs, or just look at the many thousands of Christians today who are dying because of their faith, you will see that it's a real thing. Go tonight and watch Sabina and watch what Richard Warmbrand, Romanian pastor, went through when Ceausescu took over Romania and started to persecute and jail pastors and torture them. That's reality. And that's what many Christians have to face, and many have. But, but to think about this, you know, to think of the Son of God or God in flesh becoming a man and then dying the death of a cross, you know, I mean, God, to, God would that it would be a, 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 some sort of a, a electric chair or something like that where it's over pretty quick. Thanks again for listening to Abide in Truth with Pastor Mike Hughes. If you would like a copy of today's sermon in its entirety, Call us at 208-365-0991 or send us a text at 208-991-2756. Be sure to mention today's date. You can also listen to Pastor Mike's latest message on our website at ccemmett.org. And don't forget to search for Calvary Chapel Emmett on iTunes and YouTube. Remember to hit subscribe when you're there. Thanks again for listening, and remember, always abide in truth. Until next time, God bless. Abide in Truth is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel in Emmett, Idaho.
Calvary Chapel of Emmett would like to invite you to watch our services live on Facebook. You can watch us every Sunday morning at 8.30 or 10.30. Just go to our page, Calvary Chapel of Emmett, and scroll down for the live service. It is an interactive experience. While on our page, feel free to watch previous Sundays as well. So join Calvary Chapel Emmett Sunday morning at 8.30 or 10.30 on Facebook. We look forward to seeing you. Calvary Chapel of Emmett would like to offer you a free gift for joining us today. Right Now Media. Right Now Media has been called the Netflix of Christian Bible studies. With over 30,000 Bible studies and discipleship videos, there's even tons of Christian cartoons for the kids. To get your free account to Right Now Media, just visit our website at ccemmett.org forward slash right now. That's ccemmett.org forward slash right now. And God bless you.